coming up on the Naughtiest Naughty. She could have gone, and it still would have got to number one, still would have been Charlie's Angels. Same old brand new you was Scott's winner last week, but it couldn't dislodge Kylie from her throne. Liam also went for A1, but Silence by Delirium is still clinging on. So here we are in the second half of November 2000 in our quest to find the very, very, very best pop song. Well, popular song. We're we're still in debate about what pop really means, (laughs) but we are trying to find out what is our very, very favourite pop song of the decade that was the noughties. We're going through every week in chronological order, every track that got in the top 10 of the UK charts. We're picking a winner each week. It goes up against our series winner in a, what, what do we call it? A winner stays on format. Yeah. And eventually, after I, I've estimated about four years of doing this podcast, we should know definitively what the best song was. And we're, we're still we're still in there, aren't we? We're still kind of up for the quest. We've not been too disheartened. To be fair, the year 2000 has been banging and this week just continues it, doesn't it? Absolutely. We're almost through the first year and what we're seeing already is like our view on how this works change. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing could be completely different by the time we get to 2009, but we'll just have to kind of see how we evolve. And it can affect things things like our mood can affect it you know whenever we're actually listening to the songs we have to really try open our mind but at the same time sometimes you have to go for something that just gives you that wow factor or you've got a big attachment to so it's really difficult to be objective about the things that you hated at the time as well if you Mm -hmm. were like my age at the time but it is a bigger task than what anybody could have ever imagined it was yes and i can't believe it almost nearly threw a whole year just nine to go i know i'm I'm still loving it i think there's always the case of rose tinted glasses one thing i'm thinking about of, of of future weeks and a few tracks this week is just do i love them or is it just purely the rose tinted glasses of just like it's been 20 years it's nostalgic it's a thing we're going to come up against quite a lot isn't it it is yeah and i think you know it's actually much more difficult to be objective as you than you think it's going to be whenever you start doing this so some people are listening and just kind of dipping and dipping out some people are just loving the chat some people are loving hearing hooks of the songs some people are playing along with this and have their own timeline Mm. whichever way you're doing it and whatever you're getting from it at least you get to have the fun element with it whereas actually we're maybe kind of losing the the fun side of it sometimes because it, <laughs> sometimes. it does get difficult and we're you know we're worried about getting sued we're worried about offending somebody then asking <laughs> them to come on as a guest three weeks later you know we're just we're just two wimps talking about something that we like know a mediocre amount of stuff about that's basically it in a nutshell yeah that's it i'm going to change the apple podcast description to reflect what you've just said there um a big part of the show is your correspondence your voice notes your emails your facebook's twitter instagram all that sort of stuff let's hear first of all from our westlife and kylie correspondent it's becca i didn't know about the interrogation thing in afghanistan using westlife and heavy metal i think i would quite like to hear that i'm not sure if um if that's appropriate to say if it was a torture tactic but no that's that sounds quite interesting my love mixed in with heavy metal music I wonder if you can find it online hmm. so we haven't got the actual audio of the my love and metal thing because i imagine that's under lock and key i imagine they're probably not too proud of that sort of particular tactic but, th- but then again Guantanamo Bay still hasn't been closed so who knows I did think I'd, I'd try and make something to replicate that feeling so here's a little sample of what I think it might have sounded like so I It's still not as bad as listening to Cuban Boys, though, is it, really? Oh, not much is. Maybe we should get them on. 
If they want to, I've already put the invitation out there if they want to. I don't know why they would, but they could. We're also getting the double dose of Northern Irish right now because we've got Westlife superfan Andy talking about his Westlife love. Naughty Naughties, hello there. Well, what can I say? As Westlife's number one fan, I'm delighted to see them in the running. Long overdue, in my opinion, but it's great the lads are finally getting the recognition they deserve. I mean, there's no disputing it. There isn't an occasion where Westlife's song doesn't fit in seamlessly. Good day, bad day, somewhere in the middle. It doesn't matter. Just stick on one of the classics and belt it out as if you're the fifth member. Coincidentally, my Facebook feed this week has been stacked with pictures and videos from this time last year when I witnessed the lads themselves put on an epic show in Dublin. Matching outfits, classic boy band dance moves, key changes and the iconic stepping up from the stools. Couldn't have asked for anything more. Even during lockdown, they've kept me seeing. So if in doubt, you can always rely on their wonderful Irish harmonies. More of this, please. This came through and I was so disconcerted because I thought it was just you putting on like a different accent because it's, <laughs> it's just a bit more Northern Irish. Yeah. I, I think your, your, your accent's kind of like it's been anglified a little bit by living here for 15 years, but I got such a shock. But lovely to hear from you, Andy. Thanks for getting in touch. There'll be plenty more Westlife as the years go by. I mean, they just never go away. They're still here now. Yeah, absolutely. They're still doing their thing. We've also had some emails and comments through, as always, which we're so, so grateful for. Andrea on her Facebook page said, the tweenies have been knocked down to second by my inner pop punk angst the offspring is my winner i can't believe the tweenies were top maybe we've totally underestimated it (laughs) and actually kai on twitter has then said my favorite tweenie was milo i don't care what you say that tune is a banger i don't want to hear a remix on dance revolution there we go maybe i've got a remix it for me show I I, I, i i try to find one myself and i couldn't the responsibility fully lies on you now to make it yourself. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Of all the brain things, or <laughs> of all the things I want to go on my brain, that's not the thing that I want in there. No. Again, more tweeny stuff. This one comes from oh, Lewis, God. and he says, the tweenies number one was more of a bop than I remember it being. Might try and sneak onto a few playlists and see if anyone realises it's the tweenies. Hmm. Actually, you could probably pull that off, you know. I don't think people would notice it. If you squeezed it in between, like, Venga Boys and Aqua... It would fill a little cheat. It, uh, it, yeah. it would fit in a little cheesy pop section, and probably could go under the radar. Mm-hmm. You could really get away with that. You might even get some shazams. <laughs> you might get some folks holding their phone up, going, "Oh my god, who's this? This is brilliant!" And then getting a little mortified when they see what it actually is. <laughs> One from Tabby, which was really nice as well. She said on Twitter that she was distracting herself from wanting to watch Hamilton because she was wanting to watch it with her dad by listening to us. And so far, it's working. So there you go. If you're going to go watch Hamilton, the legendary musical now on Disney Plus, listen to us first. Mm. I think we're the perfect warm-up. If you like music, if you like history, then we're, we're two in the same. Their production value is obviously much higher than ours, but we, we put a lot of effort in, just as they do. They're not in a cupboard right now like you, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm going to kick off with a bit of 2017 humour. You ready for it? Ready for it? I'm ready, I'm ready. Okay. Oh, I bet the producers of La La Land hate this track after that Oscars fiasco with Moonlighter. <laughs> See, it was good that one. See, I've, I worked really. I worked, oh, that, that, yeah, it got what uh-huh. it got what it deserved. Yeah, <laughs> this is Leanne Rhymes, and and wait for it, can't fight the moonlight. I love discovering people who are really, really strong songwriters. Mm. And this one was actually written by Diane Warren, who's written nine number ones and 32 top tens on the Billboard Hot 100 and was actually the first songwriter in history to have seven hits all by different artists on the singles chart at one time. That's pretty impressive. I'd never heard of Diane, had you? Yes, I had. Because, I mean, if you look at the... the, Oh, I know, get me. If you look at some of the people she's written for, you're talking about Whitney Houston, Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, Beyonce, Tina Turner, Cher. I mean, so many more. I've put an ellipsis just to kind of like give me a chance to catch my breath. Mm -hmm. So many amazing divas. And and Leanne is kind of like, you know, this this is the start of her pop career she'd been in country music she got this chance to be in coyote ugly which i've not seen but you have yep and leanne she does the singing parts of piper parabo that's right isn't it yeah it is so the whole film kind of centers around this character who likes writing songs she's very introverted she moves to the big city she gets herself a job uh, in this 
bar, which is very, very kind of loud and grungy. They don't think she's going to make it. She breaks a bar fight on the way out whenever she's kind of been sacked because you get an audition to be one of these like these um, bar ladies. And then all of a sudden she gets recruited and there's a love story to it, but it all kind of focuses on the fact she's introverted, loves music, is really good at writing songs, but is terrified of performing them. And she does do it, but actually what happens in is she becomes practically Diane Warren and the, the track gets given to Leanne Rhymes. And whenever Leanne Rhymes saw the movie, she then said, right, I'm actually going to go back across the movie for you. And any time that Piper sings in the film, you can use my voice for it, <laughs> which wasn't the original case. But yeah, it's like, it's a really good Sunday afternoon, sit on your phone, easy watching watching film and the song kind of matches it really nicely in many respects i might give it a watch i might give it a watch i mean certainly now i've seen the video i've, I've seen a flavor of the film because the video is basically the film isn't it the video is just lots of clips of the film yeah and leanne on the bar yeah, yeah. that's it and it is like a really interesting film in many respects like it's not for me it's not groundbreaking but it's like you know when you can just put something on that you love you know you can dip in and out of your phone you're not missing too much if you're in and out of it but it is like it is really really good and i remember at the time all the girls in my class were like we've gone across the mountain to the cinema to see this <laughs> film so um they've the legendary cinema mountain yeah i um <laughs> this was australia's best selling single of 2001 mm. which statistically is mental yeah i can sing every word of this yeah but i've never listened or heard the words of it you know what i mean yeah i know what you mean which is dead odd it's one of those tracks you always know the first line or two mm-hmm. and then you kind of go nah, 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 for the rest until yeah. they get to the chorus it do you think it's quite a songwritery kind of song like it, it sort of feels like someone like diane warren has had their stamp on it and they've made it quite like wordy and lyrical and lovely i mean i've picked out a few here i mean the first few lines under a lover's sky gonna be with you and no one's gonna be around i mean that's just lovely and then later on in the second verse there's no escape from love once the gentle breeze weaves its spell upon your heart it's like poetry isn't it it's like one of those like i say a songwritery song everything about it is really strange in the sense that it's been written and it's become magical. Yes. You know, the words yeah. starlight and moonlight just make it all really, really, really magical and really mystical. Mm. It does have that thing, though. Do you remember? I can't remember what historical songs we've sang. It was actually, we did a Spice Girls one, didn't we, as well? You can sing this creepy. Yeah. And then it changes everything. Um, but we said that maybe that's actually a really good indication of a brilliant, brilliant pop song because you can go creepy with it. But, you know, if you were to do something like... You can try to resist, try to hide from my kiss, but you know, but you know that you can't fight the moonlight deep in the dark. You'll surrender your heart, but you know, but you know, you can't fight the moonlight. No, you can't fight it. It's going to get to your heart. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the the word that springs to mind is predatory <laughs> it's very predatory <laughs> well thank you very much it's just the way that i sing it and it has been used several times before it's the part you were born to play yeah i think it's i think it's a really good pop song mm-hmm. i do find right and i've always had this issue with it and i didn't really understand the issue until i've reflected like i love the build love the bridges yeah. strings and everything so it goes somewhere really really great and really grand for a pop song the first kind of minute of it is very do you know whenever you go and you sing in karaoke and what you do is you get this like lesser version of a track that's really cheesy and thin yes. for the first, you know, whenever you do that. The first part of it, the instrumentation of it before anything beefy comes in, it sounds like it's either a default setting on a Casio keyboard yeah. or it's been taken off one of them karaoke discs. But then it, it, you forget about that because it builds so far away from mm, it. But mm. I find the start quite shocking at how, how kind of karaoke yeah and i don't want to use that word for it because it is a great song but that's my only my only you know criticism you, you of know it what it's, it's funny because i i thought i'd listen to the instrumental track just to see if i could kind of break down what was going on in there because it's quite a, quite a neat production in the choruses and stuff and i mm-hmm. wanted to figure out what those like moments sounded like in isolation yeah it's produced by trevor horn who's produced for like frankie goes to hollywood he did the band-aid track again share also coming up in the year 2002 tattoo all the things she said which <laughs> i can't wait for and it's, it's it's amazing that he's done that he's from the northeast trevor he's from durham but Trev- I, I couldn't find the official instrumental so i listened to a karaoke version and you you, you actually are right the, the 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 karaoke one and the main track do sound very similar uh, for that first minute yeah but again when it builds to those choruses it's so emphatic mm-hmm. it's a very cinematic production you know like you, you expect tracks that are from films yeah normally just in the, in the orchestral score to be 
you know, full of strings, full of subtle bits of guitar. And this this definitely has all that. Mm-hmm. There's one review I've seen here from Freaky Trigger, who is a, a fantastic music blog who's been doing loads of number one singles over the years. His thesis is that same old brand new you from A1 showed that Max Martin's style could be achieved on the cheap. But this is like the reversal of that. And he called it, oops, I did it again, on growth hormones. Ooh. He thinks it was overstuffed. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's overstuffed? I think there's certainly a lot going on. But I think the emphaticness of those moments are just like, yes. Like, I've listened to this track more than anything else this week just because I keep coming back to it. One, because it's top of the list for the week. So I keep going back to start the playlist all over again because mm-hmm. I'm easily distracted by other stuff like Netflix and, you know. But I've heard this a lot and I think it doesn't get, it, it just doesn't get any worse. It just always sounds like, oh, it just sounds hench as a pop track. It just sounds hench. Yeah. As much as I've, so in my little critical section that I've got where I said it's quite cheesy in the lower, lower end of the mix, not the guitars or the strings, but the, the karaoke sound, mm. I've put, it's all about the songwriting, melody and the voice. It's not about the production yeah. and you could make the production worse and the everything that's contributing to it would make it sound as good because it actually, and I never, I never thought this before I listened to it the other day. You know, I just knew that I liked it and it was timeless. It's just a big, big track, I think, really. And you'd kind of hyped it a few weeks. You know, you've mentioned that it's coming a few times. Mm. You actually seem a bit less passionate about it now. Oh, no. Even though you say, you know what I mean? No, no, no. But yeah, I just, like, I love the bridge. I just love everything about it, really, in so many respects, apart from the karaoke bit. Mm. I think it's one of those tracks where similar artists would go, I wish I'd thought of that. I wish I'd done that. Yeah. Again, just comes from a good writer, good production and a good artist, isn't it? Well done, Leanne Rhymes. Very good. And congratulations, Diane Warren. Right, we'll move on. But first, question. Tell me what you think about me. I buy my own diamonds and I buy my own rings. And they look very good in you. They really Thanks, do. Pep. They suit you. <laughs> I, I, I would have gone a little bit cheaper, you know, given the current financial climate, yeah. but you do you. I can't knock oh, you. Have you seen my big this blue is... eyes? My big blue eyes. You need big diamonds. Need big diamonds. Make everything sparkle. <laughs> <laughs> this is, of course, Destiny's Child and Independent Women, part one. The shoes on my feet, I've got the clothes I'm wearing, This is actually, I know we've just joked about it, but for years, probably about 20 years now, when I've wanted somebody to say something or I've wanted to ask somebody something, I've actually gone, question. Yeah. And I can tell the age of somebody that I'm speaking to because like 21 year olds don't get it. I know. Whereas people my age get it. But yeah, this is quite interesting. This is the first one that has Michelle formerly mm-hmm. singing yeah. on it. You know, she's been in the video for a few so far in that crack, but this is officially a Michelle track. Yeah. It's off the girl's third album Survivor. It's the lead single for it and the soundtrack to Charlie's Angels. Yes. So from what I gather, the, the song was written and then it was submitted to the soundtrack without Beyonce's knowledge by her dad and their management. That is so handy because they actually had the lines in it, Lucy Lou, yeah. with my girl Drew, Cameron D and Destiny. And then, you know, they also say, girl, I didn't know you could get down like that. Charlie, how your angels get down like that. Yeah. It was meant to be. They had Charlie in it. They had Lucy Lou. you know. It's so impressive. I sort, uh-huh. I sort of think these days, given how massive Beyonce is and just how, you know, there's a, there's a certain cult of personality around Beyonce that she's so adored and people worship her like she's some kind of religious figure i guess to some she is but do you think you know if if beyonce just wrote a song about buffy <laughs> then like a bunch of film producers would go right we need to make a film about buffy now who does she want casted it who does she want she wanted she wanted chloe moretz yeah we'll get chloe moretz i think her influence is so big that that could just happen yeah and maybe even back in the day beyonce was so big that they wrote a song that had the lyrics you know, Lucy Liu, Drew Barrymore, Charlie, Cameron Diaz, and they were like, fuck, she's got it there. She could produce this film for us. She's got it. She's got she's a knack it. for casting. She's got a knack for casting and a good story. Yeah. And you'll not watch Austin Powers, so you'll never know about I've, I've Foxy not, Cleopatra. I've, I've, I've not ruled it out. It's white chicks I won't watch, but... I'll, oh, that's it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. This was actually nominated for the worst song of 2001 at the 2001 <gasps> Stinker's Bad Movie Awards. Guess who won it? Oh, I don't know. Who? 
Who? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, Bahaman. But again, that won, that won a Grammy. Yeah, that uh-huh. also won a Grammy. Like, how, how do you get from... Oh, I, I, I blame the awards, not the song. Because yeah. this isn't this this isn't a stinker. This is far from a stinker. I think this is really good, right? And what I love about this that I've never really noticed is, you know the way we talk about, oh, some songs are really good for lads because they're chanty and all of that kind of crack and they, they help lads that can't sing who don't really want to go into rap and all of that. The chorus of this for me is like a lady chant. Yeah. You know, it's actual proper chant in many respects too. A big, big, kind of churchy breakdown where you know if you do listen to the bridge you just got Beyonce making noise I think somebody in the studio just went you just feel this bit love just just make some noise and she was like and it's flawless the the mics aren't working Beyonce can you just like just do any random sounds just to get some kind of signals (laughs) through them (laughs) yeah yeah you're right she could have gone and it still would have got to number one still would have been Charlie's Angels yeah but like as a a big big production really baseline major yeah vocal major storyline it's a bit like a jennifer lopez love don't cost a thing mm-hmm. and i think you know well done destiny's child first uk number one yeah this was uh, i mean it was an, it was enormous it was number one in america for 11 weeks Whoa. 11 weeks i don't think another girl band has done that uh, and very few other artists have done that either. So it's it's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. I've been reading about this because, I mean, there's loads and loads of stuff online about this because 20 years ago, this kind of ushered in, or to, to some people, like a new wave of feminism. I mean, I, I read this thesis online. I read an actual MA thesis about Destiny's Child. I was so impressed. <laughs> it's by Samantha Thrift. She was at the University of Calgary. This was in 2002. And her thesis suggested that the sexualized imagery and feminist lyrics contradict each other, but actually fed into a new kind of you-can-have-your-cake-and-eat-it feminism, which locates the female body at the centre of its discourse. The whole thing's 143 pages. I mean, I haven't read the whole thing, but I, I, I'd, I'd, li- I'd like to very much. We'll, we'll link it on, on, the, on Friday. It's interesting that because it's probably Destiny's Child, who've always been feminist in message. It's the most overtly feminist one they've done. Yeah. It's certainly the most kind of in-your-face, this-is-our-mission-statement, have it, basically. Yeah. It's very, very positive. Like, I still actually think, story-wise, Say My Name is a much better pop track, so I still think prefer and would always if, if I had a choice of two radio stations and I flicked and one was playing Say My Name and one was playing Independent Woman I would always flick to Say My Name and it would always stay there mm-hmm. but I think you know I can see that that lady's point about the, the some of the contradictory messages within the song but uh, maybe she's listened to it wrong because I'd listened to it wrong for years and I don't understand how because it doesn't actually sound like it. But I think what's happening is, you know, they're all like, I'm an independent woman, I'm an independent woman. And there's just like a bit for me that always put me into a kitchen, which doesn't make any sense. And it's like, why is there a woman in the kitchen? And it was because I always thought she said, how'd you like the sandwich that I brought? (laughs) And that's not what it says question how'd you like this knowledge that I brought so I'm always like why are you bragging on your heels and bragging on your diamonds and all of this and you worked hard and you worked hard and then saying look at my sandwich and then, because and, you and then, picture them in the kitchen and then feeding back into the stereotypes they're trying to break down yeah yeah uh, it doesn't say sandwich it says something completely different it doesn't even sound like sandwich I don't know why for years I've always sang the lyric <laughs> how'd you like the sandwich that I brought it's the patriarchy you've been conditioned to think like that I have yes I yeah. Beyonce making uh, a meatball marinara you know, I've been put right there. Yeah, that is, yeah, yeah. That is my upbringing is disgraceful. I mean, the iconography of the boardroom scenes of the video is is iconic, isn't it? And I think it's disappointing that even 20 years on, you know, women still aren't dominating boardrooms. There are still massive problems with sexism and discrimination in, yeah. in business. Mm-hmm. And you'd sort of think that Beyonce, if this came out again now, it would stand a good chance of kind of making it. More, more, you know, is sort of pushing the point further. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's been doing that for twenty years. She's still doing it. It is just a shame that society is not quite caught up with the the ethos of Destiny's Child. I think we're just, I, I, I start to lose hope eventually if Beyonce can't get that kind of stuff done. Maybe we need Beyonce for president, not Kanye West. I would not be against that in the slightest. I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. Not at all. So French House has been a massive highlight of this show so far with Mojo, Spiller, Bob Sinclair. Now it's time to bow down to the kings of the genre. This is Daft Punk and One More Time. I'm 
This is like the ultimate French house track. It is. Of all time, yes. really, isn't it? And in fact, it's in so many charts. There's so many different charts that have it performing very, very high mm-hmm. as like the greatest song. Mix Mag even call it the greatest dance record of all time. But you kind of forget how massive and massive and massive this track mm-hmm. is, really. Mm-hmm. Certainly, we've been thinking about this one as we've been getting closer to it. We've had Mojo, we've had Spiller, and they all sound, you know, quite different. And if when you think of this in your head and you don't, you can't hear it through headphones properly you just sort of think it's one of the most simple ones because it's just there's not a lot of words you know someone's did a thing online of their lyrics and the lyrics are very, are very straightforward but actually they're not and it's more just about how they build the track around those lyrics and make it into a feeling mm-hmm. it's more than just like a rudimentary set of like instructions of just like yeah one more time we're going to celebrate it's just like no the production and the auto-tune that permeates through the entire thing is just genius because it it just it becomes this euphoric spiritual thing and i've got here that it's like it's those things in a totally different way at delirium silence that's my current winner but in what it does it's just as effective yeah i think it just takes you to a different place it takes you to a spiritual place the thing is though right is with delirium people never hated it Mm. it either just wasn't for you or you loved it you know what i mean so there was some people didn't have opinions everybody at the time i remember having an opinion on this track and it was marmite yeah but i loved it and everybody that i kind of knew loved it but the few people that were really anti it and resisted it now love it yeah so everybody's kind of grown to it but you know this followed around the world from 1997 so it's been a while since we've had any tracks around the world got to number five this got to number two this is actually the last daft punk we have on this podcast series yeah going through the whole thing which is devastating but for me i've written down this is innovation 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 from mm-hmm. the use of filters to the auto-tune because you know people do use auto-tune and if you kind of think back to maybe share believe right People at the time were like, it's too much. There's a debate about whether it's genius or not. But you can kind of imagine, right, in my head, some people go to auto-tune part of a song. And what they do is like, say they want auto-tune 10 seconds. They select that 10 seconds on the timeline, right click, put on the auto-tune. Whereas it feels like with Daft Punk, Daft Punk have gone through like every single split second and focused and done it for every little bit and they've listened to every little thing if you listen to the breaths in it if you listen to the ups the downs the you know every little bit in it is pretty flawless on Romanthony's vocals Mm. it's so well produced that actually you don't realise how positive a song it is I've never really really thought about it and it's so so positive and it's hugely hugely feel good it's like an anthem so much so that it's five minutes long and you don't know it's five minutes long. You don't notice. No, I know. It's twice as long as most songs you hear on the radio these days. Yeah, and I think I could listen to a few more minutes of it as well. I think it's one of those you just get totally engrossed and it could just go on forever. Yeah. And, and like you say, you know, I think Thomas of, of the group, um, he says that they were just using the autotune like an instrument. Absolutely. This is the whole, whenever we say, you know, sampling has to be smart, it has to be transformative or transformational. This is why you don't rule certain things out. Mm. And you don't just not do autotune because some people don't like it. You use it as a skill. Like Romanthony was not offended by what they'd done to his voice. He no. didn't know that they were going to do it. He listened to it and it's like, wow, nobody's ever interpreted me like that. That's amazing. And it's just so, so smart the way that they've actually done it. Now, I remember the first time I ever experienced this, right? And actually the video was like anime before anime mm. in the UK, really. But we had in Limavati, like we lived in a valley and then the lower part of the valley turned into sea. So there was mountains all around us. So it was really hard to get radio stations, really hard to get TV stations. There was a launch of a TV channel in Derry called Channel 9. And we could get it just about, but it was blurry in my house. So like, it was just fuzz, but you could make stuff out. And to make stuff out, you'd squint. So I remember coming in from clubbing, drunk in my bedroom, sticking on my TV in the middle of the night, trying to put it on quiet because I knew that Channel 9 played music videos and I never got to see music videos because we didn't have Sky and Freeview and stuff didn't exist but um, I remember squinting and the video for this was on and you've got like a, a blue skinned human humanoid pop band performing on their home planet to a crowd and then you know the people in the crowd are watching but actually the, the, the people that are supposed to watch and govern the atmosphere are distracted watching it too so what they don't see is aliens appearing on the radar <laughs> the mothership enters the planet's atmosphere and then drops three crafts and then another life form comes and kind of storms the planet and it, it ends and I'm like what happened next but that was creepy to one be drunk at four o'clock in the morning squinting <laughs> at a, a pixelated TV trying to watch that 
And I remember watching it and then Snoop Dogg, Drop It Like It's Hot, yeah. came on, I think it was. And um, everything about that was just like really, really odd to be drunk <laughs> and watching that. But I just, I loved it. I just loved, loved, loved it. And I think if somebody doesn't love it now, they need to just go back and give it another go. Mm, I, I totally agree. I think Daft Punk are really important because... They wear the influences on their sleeve, you know, they, they make it very clear that they're like going back to 80s disco or like 70s funk and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So because they understand the music so well, they know exactly how to reference it and to invert those tropes to make it transformative and make it a different thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the autotune brings something new to this that other musicians wouldn't think to do. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't think to put that spin on it because I guess other artists just don't understand those influences as much as they do i've always found that i think even with the the sort of more recent stuff like the random access memories with pharrell and you know even the stuff with the weekend they produced the weekend's album um starboy i think they just understand music more than most do yeah i think they just it's just kind of it's just it's incredible i saw a comment of someone saying that it's hard to dance to you know because it has that lull in the middle where it drops down Mm -hmm. i think if anything that makes it it just feeds into the spiritual thing. You can dance like crazy to it. Yeah. Then you have that little break where you just, just arms in the air, eyes closed. You just feel close to the track. Mm-hmm. I, I know that whenever this track comes on, wherever I am, be it waiting for the bus, on the bus, at work, in my bedroom, I will get up and shuffle to this. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care how embarrassing I look. It's just one of those tracks that gets me moving. Imagine you're on a bus or you're on a metro or a tube or something and you know you start losing it and you've got your eyes closed and then you look up and people are looking at you in disgust and you just have to kind of mouth at them it's Daft Punk one more time. And then they're like, oh, right, okay, on you go. Yeah, 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 get it, get it, get it. <laughs> and that, that, that means it's powerful. Like, that was really, really powerful. So, this guy has been a series winner for me three times. I kind of can't believe, given that fact, that he's not still currently the winner. I feel like he's been hard done by. I kind of do as well, too. But, you know, you could just always try get some bum fluff on your face and maybe just, like, <laughs> shave some lines in to show your love. Very possibly. I can't grow a beard, so that's <laughs> not going to happen. But I, c- I could definitely get a felt tip pen. This is Craig David. He's back with his third solo single, fourth in total from this series, Walking Away. I'm walking away. So this is the third single from Born to Do It. Very different sound, mm. no garage vibes. Mm-mm. And what you've got is like the weirdest blend of two guitars at the start. Not very Craig David at this point. No, it's not. It's a complete departure from the garage that made him on the map. Uh, it is still produced by Mark Hill of Artful Dodger and co-written by him as well with Craig. And again, my, my, my big note is that despite the fact that the tempo has changed, the songwriting still shines through. He's so mature in what he writes, considering he's still a teenager at this point. But he's mature beyond his years, isn't he? He is. Whenever I checked, actually, the lyrics of it, because I was trying to follow them through myself, because I like to, like, lyric check them. I like to watch the video and then do it again, reading the lyrics to make sure I don't miss anything. But actually, the structure of the lyrics, this could have been a rap. Yeah. You know, you could rap this whole thing it would sound completely different like my brain can't even comprehend how it could potentially sound but looking at the structure and the the way that they rhyme smartly and things you could have this like really mental rap that comes out of this song vocally though like the way craig ramps up and down makes absolutely no sense i I pretty (laughs) much am convinced that craig david could just be an alien at this point yeah that that might explain just the talent nobody on human earth could do what he does i've always thought that yeah that's put things into perspective actually imagine if him him and beyonce were plants they could be plants (laughs) him and beyonce interesting maybe there is an illuminati and craig david and beyonce are part of it there's no maybe there's there's no maybe about it that's that's fully fully true Uh, again you just got to be impressed by the production of the track I mean it's an artful dodge production so of course but you've got that subtle vocal layering especially in that second chorus where Craig gets the freedom to ad lib and just show off the vocal range that he has I mean mm-hmm. he's just it's mind blowing what he can do with his with his mouth um <laughs> Have you met Craig David? <laughs> once or twice. Once or twice. I'm, 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 Just I'm, briefly. I'm, I'm, I'm legally not allowed to disclose. <laughs> this was his first track to not hit number one, and I kind of get it. Yeah. Because as much as I know it, and I sang to it, and I knew all of the words, 
for me it doesn't have the glow about it the same way as the garage ones do mm. i love the fact that it's a transitional track and it's a shame that it did get number three i could kind of say it should have been a number two but based on what he's done with other ones you know the lyricism combined with the garage beats and the vibe of them it's a bit different this one for me right it actually sounds like a sting production whenever i was looking into it i was expecting to hear sting you know the it could have been sting because and i don't know whether that's because i know in the future he does a track with sting in a mm, few years time mm. but it sounded like it was a sting thing and it was just all like really really strong really really good but for me it isn't a, a seven days and forge well i mean the album had come out by this point so i can't imagine there was many folks who didn't already have the album and we've said before about why would you go and buy the single if you've already got the album sort of thing yeah. i know you didn't do that i did occasionally just with like mcfly and stuff but um because you, you get like decent b-sides that you haven't heard before so that's that's kind of yeah. why you do that but yeah i mean I, again yeah i don't think it's a, a number one and i don't think i'm going to be picking it as a series winner Ooh. but it's very impressive and it's one of those, again, I think, Craig, each time I've kind of come to and I've gone, I don't remember this being particularly my cup of tea. I've listened to it and I've gone, actually, yeah, it's better than I remember. And this is that again. I mean, we, we've been saying in the in the weeks building up to this that we knew this wasn't going to be quite as good as the previous ones. Mm-hmm. It's actually still better than I remember. Yeah. I think it just, just, when you look at it closer and you look at the songwriting, and you look at just what he puts into it, very impressive. Yeah, I think it's really, really good. And actually, maybe what you've just said there really about buying singles is maybe he's got a really smart approach. So he's done two vibe tracks for the for the garage scene and people who love to go in the sesh in the year 2000. And actually what he's doing is he's doubling down now by saying, mum and dad, buy my songs. Mm-hmm. And what he's done is he's just widened his appeal. You know, he doesn't, after this now, he doesn't really chart brilliantly again you know mm. what i mean for he charts consistently for a long period of time but we, what we don't get is we don't get any more born to do it tracks that are are proper jams as such mm. you know but what we do do is we do see ongoing talent and that might have just like it could have been avid marion you know it could have been a lot of things that changed that really but yeah but mark hill great production yeah it really is and just final point people have always given stick, stick to craig for being kind of up his own arse and being kind of like you know in the music so much and talking about it in a way that was kind of mind-blowing in the video he does turn his own song up on the radio and then leave the car <laughs> so you know are they, are they really that wrong is he not a little bit you know uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm Craig David maybe I need to grow my facial hair back because oddly enough I have driven around and listened to my own radio shows whenever on the odd occasion they've been pre- pre-recorded for something like a special at Christmas and I've gone I'm going for a Chinese or something because it's my one Friday off and then I've got into the car and I'm on yeah I have, um, have listened to myself several times yeah. mm-hmm. and I've been in the car with you when that's happened and you've been mouthing along going oh yeah I got that bit right oh you did a great word uh-huh. there Scott oh well done good yeah. wordplay yeah you should have well prepped that better word economy Scott <laughs> Say it better, say it better. <laughs> okay, then we've done Craig. Let's do a former Craig collaborator. Well, again, Mark Hill. It's carrying across. This is Artful Dodger with the vocals of Lifford. This is Please Don't Turn Me On. Say please don't turn me on. was a contestant on the 12th season of Britain's Got Talent, you know. Yeah, he got golden buzzed. Did he? He got golden buzzed and he got the semi-final. He didn't get to the final, but yeah, Lifford got put on the map and certainly if you go in the comments of this music video, most of the comments are, who's here from BGT? Oh my God. And the rest of the comments are, oh, I was here before Britain's Got Talent. I liked Artful Dodger when I was too. It's just... (laughs) So, yeah, it's turned into that kind of thing where it's just hard to find any kind of real information in the comment section. It's just people arguing about Britain's Got Talent, which I don't want to be involved in. I can't just. Oh, that's can't stand that's a thing. shame because it's a jam yeah. for me, and I think the focus needs to be on the music. You know, it's a it's an it's a story, and I hadn't realised that really it was so closely aligned to Mark Hill in many respects. It just didn't it just didn't 
patch in my head until it was like this sounds like it's a Craig David kind of a structure mm. but overall really it seems to be like the story of a guy spending time with another girl who has a girlfriend the girlfriend has said it's fine because she trusts him and then it just evolves into a few drinks later it's evolved more than that there's mind games there's been a bit of touching and then there's a need for the girl to get redressed so you can kind of imagine where it's gone please don't turn me on the the song title but mm-hmm. i love this this is like another one of this era's garage bangers yeah coming out yeah you know i'm really really pleased with it i know the words to it i was happy i knew when it was coming i was excited for it like it like it not not much more than that no i mean for me it's totally gone under my radar I remember you acting quite like, what? When I said I hadn't heard Woman Trouble. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard <laughs> yeah. this either. It, it it totally went past me. But now that I've heard it, I do like it a lot. It's got like orchestral slow jam garage vibes. Yeah. Again, another different offshoot of garage, which has been such a broad church of different types of thing. Mm-hmm. Lifford's vocals are excellent. He's got that kind of smooth, but a little bit breathy vocal about him. And we've already spoken, I'm not sure how much of it's been in the podcast because I have had to cut some things, but we have spoken a lot recently about Too Close by Blue, just because it's become my new obsession, <laughs> just because, I'm only, uh, because I was 24 years old when I realised that it was about boners. And this certainly has that similar kind of, don't rub against me or I'll get a boner sort of vibe going about it. <laughs> yeah, it's, so it, I think this is open to degrees of interpretation because, you know, sometimes whenever I've listened to this, I thought, hold on a second. It isn't like, it isn't necessarily about arousal, no. but it could just be this friend who his girlfriend trusts him with just placing her hand on his leg. Mm. And that's like, that's Boink. no territory. And it's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, don't do that. Whereas actually... You know, if your mind wants to roll with it like 16-year-old Scots was, you know, it's... Or 24-year-old Liam. Oh, dear, I've, <laughs> I've, just, I've just fallen over in slow motion. Whoopsie. You know, that kind of a thing. <laughs> but yeah, I think, it's a, I think it's a very much a really smart fill in the blanks and everybody has an interpretation that then fills a story in in their head. Let's get pumping now. We're going to go for some hard techno from Public Domain. This was number five, which I'm really impressed by. A track that this... This kind of pumping could be number five and therefore could be on top of the pops at like half seven in the after half seven in the evening. It's public domain and Operation Blade based in the place, London. Yes, this is so good. That heavy bass. Yeah. This is what I class as a knee smasher where mm. you're actually going too hard for it and it hurts your legs as you're dancing to it. And I can just remember losing it at the Gortin yeah. in Limavati to this because this was huge on the dance floors. Absolutely massive. You've got, if you listen to it in headphones and you've got decent sound system, it's got a really subtle pan of mm-hmm, the electronic mm-hmm. elements just just flinging really quickly, not fully side to side, but just enough to like play with your head a little bit. But really smart pan from left to right on the electronic effects. Just really, really, really good. Really good. That's you back to the courtine. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 the sample mostly comes from a New Order remix of a track called Confusion. It's the pump panel reconstruction mix, which appears in the film Blade with Wesley Snipes. And it's it's in the, the bloodbath scene, isn't it, when they're having the rave and the, the blood comes out the sprinklers. It's the only bit of Blade I've seen because as a kid I was like, that's horrible, I can't watch this any longer. Ugh. I've not actually seen it. It's no. reminded me more of a Samuel L. Jackson film with Robbie Carlyle in it, which has um, a couple of dance tracks in it. It's got the Thrill Seeker Synesthesia in it ah. and Warrior Warrior, what would that be called? It was based in Manchester. Uh, the 51st state right so i kind of thought this would have been well placed in a movie and now you've just kind of educated me that that was in fact the case really yep so they had to clear the new order sample took a while was expensive they had to clear the base for your face which is what it says in the original from uh, public enemy they've had to change it to base in your face but still had to clear the sample so they made this track they pressed about five thousand copies it took quite a while to get right you know one day Mark Sherry who is public domain he just started kind of piecing this together he heard the track in the film Blade he thought that would be good he took that he got the uh, the public enemy sample and he would just all like make little tweaks to it week by week in his club where he had a residency and 
everyone would go wild and he, re- he realized that this has to be a this has to be a thing that I put out so mm-hmm. he made 5,000 copies that you just press them as a white label uh, it got picked up by Judge Jules and played for 12 weeks in a row on Radio 1 Wow! then they got signed to a label then it started getting played on daytime radio and, 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 <laughs> and, and, and if you watched Mark said he woke up one day and indeed on the radio was public domain in the morning which is kind of crazy he, he never had that intention for it at all you'd expect it to be very specialist but it was number 5 it was mainstream it got on top of the pops and certainly watching that performance I was just so hyped yeah. you know has like a proper MC doing the, the live vocals you've got the turntables you've got the people doing live well I'm not, I'm not sure if it was live keys but it certainly looked like live keys and, and it has real crowds now the actual track has crowd noise now when we did Black Legend, the crowd noise is a real point of contention for you. I love how you brought it up. Did you find it to be the same here? No, this is exactly how I want the crowd noise to be. The yeah. Black Legend stuff was just a bit too bit too cheesy and a bit too underhyped for what it was. The crowd noise here in this one matches the song perfectly. The Top of the Pops performance, like I watch pretty much now a couple of Top of the Pops performances a week doing this. This so far is my favourite Top yeah. of the Pops performance to date because the camera works on beat yeah it's trippy the guy does sing live and the crowd right and every element about that just reminds me of what it was like to be 16 and going clubbing because that's what it felt like and now even though i'm like in my 30s i do go clubbing every so often and people my age don't really tend to mm. it is not the same because of mobile phones but yeah that that vibe that comes from that top of the pops performance just encapsulates clubs back then for me it really, really does. The crowd noise in this is closer to the live energy of Maniac 2000, isn't it, by Mark McCabe, <laughs> than, it is to, than it is to Black Legend. Yeah. It, feel, it, it, feels like a re, it feels like it's been really recorded, just capturing a moment of just lovely, lovely music. Yeah, it does. And it just, it just works. It just really, really works. I completely... And I play this every so often on my dance show still. I try to not overplay it because it's so legendary. Yeah. I don't do the legendaries as much because you can ruin it. But I just forgot how good this was. Right, we'll keep the energy going, we'll keep it pumping, and we'll go for someone we've done before. What's the song, Scott? This is Darude's Spill the Beef. Oh, you're supposed to say Sandstorm, but it doesn't matter. It, this is Darude's <laughs> Feel the Beef. this is the follow-up to Sandstorm and the reason why I couldn't get your joke is because so many people hear the name of this song as being different things but you probably didn't realise that no no I did I've got feel the beans spill the beans feel the meat it changes each time (laughs) every time it comes around again you hear a different thing I, I never hear feel the beat it's always either beans or meat, yeah. or feel, or spill, or it's just... <laughs> I remember getting ready to go to the Roebuck on Main Street in Limavady, and my mate Simon was in my bedroom, and he's like, oh, oh, put on that Spill the Beans track. And I was like, this, <laughs> the Spill the Beans track? He's like, I can spill the beans, spill the beans, spill the beans. And I was like, what do you mean, Darude, feel the beat? But yeah, <laughs> so then I listened to it, and then we had that on, I played it maybe about four weeks ago on one of my dance shows, and a taxi driver messaged in, and he was like, oh, feel the beef. <laughs> So loads of people have their different interpretations of what it says, but yeah, this one is a strange follow-up. Loads of people say that it sounds really, really, really like Sandstorm, and I just don't know whether Mm. because I'm in dance music. I think it's really... Yeah, it's still trance music. I think it's really different. Well, there's there's certain little bits that are similar. You know, it has that moment of tension where it just drops out, Mm -hmm. and it has that, like... It, it's the same noise as in Sandstorm. It's also the same little bit of tension noise that's in Faceless Insomnia. Yeah. Somebody put it in the comments of the video and I was like, oh God, it is, it really is. So that bit's similar and it has that like boom sound mm-hmm. that Sandstorm has. Generally speaking, this is way different. Like we said that Sandstorm was quite unclassifiable in terms of genre. Yeah. Whereas you would say that this is definitely more overt trance. Mm-hmm. And then it has that weird drop towards the sort of the third third quarter of the track where it kind of goes like M people and just like totally chills out and slows down and becomes like a psychedelic funky sort of thing. Then picks back up again for the madness but yeah, yeah. 
we've spoken about tracks that have like been follow-ups to massive singles some reinvent and show they can do other stuff which this does to some extent Mm -hmm. and others double down i think this does a bit of both i think this is a really interesting thing that pays homage to what made him big but also does some different things I, I, I don't think it's as similar as people think it is yeah I think it's just you know whenever you aren't used to a genre so you think everything sounds the same yeah I think it's just it's one the, of those it's things thing. it's, it's, it's your dad thing of just it's noise <laughs> absolutely yeah he'd be like oh this is no-. but he'd at least have recognised that it was faster than Sandstorm yes yeah you know what I mean so the BPM is a bit different so in the video you've got a Dodge Viper you've got Darude getting into a Dodge Viper with a briefcase zooming through some countryside then all of a sudden he pulls up in a helicopter collects him and takes him to a rave and then when you get to the rave the briefcase opens and it's actually a gold vinyl of Fatal Debate Mm. at this point I said when we saw Sandstorm that I thought it was Seth Green but Ginger still in this video when I watched the video (laughs) I was like he looks more like Seth Green than he did in Sandstorm and I'm still how are Darude and Seth Green not the same person at this point? It's really, really creepy when you when you see them. But this one for me, really, really good dance track. I hadn't realised it had charted so high. No, I know. I think it's hard to say whether I like Sandstorm or feel the beat more. I think Sandstorm is more iconic, but certainly yeah. I do love this. Yeah. This is great. I don't think if you asked many people to name a Darude song, they could give you anything beyond Sandstorm. The, the next one actually, Out of Control, I think it only gets like number 12, so it's not going to be in the podcast, but mm. Out of Control controls a big jam as well but radio wise i actually play this more and out of control more than sandstorm because it's back to the public domain operation blade thing yeah you have to be really careful with how much you play these things because they are they're golden and you don't want to kill them for for people Mm -hmm. um but yeah this one i think it's a brilliant brilliant trance track different to public domain because obviously it's that was more techno but two big dance tracks whoa yeah Let's change things up and go hip-hop with one of the most legendary groups in terms of hip-hop of all time. Still doing stuff. They go way back. This is the legends that are the Wu-Tang Clan and Gravel Pit. thought the chorus for this was check out my dragon not check out my gravel pit even though now that i know the song's called gravel pit i can clearly hear the words check out my gravel pit i don't know why i thought it said check out my dragon i don't know whether it was because i'd seen the video and there's dinosaurs or something in it and i was just being a dinosaur racist at the time Mm. do you know what a gravel pit is my interpretation of it whenever i've watched it seemed to be an alternative type of casino or ring where they like are the chiefs of it and it's there kind of like a gang as such i don't understand do you know it is a kind of ring mm-hmm. the definition came from urban dictionary oh depend on who you ask it's either a vagina <laughs> or a bumhole really <laughs> whoa man yes whoa that's just changed everything for me really really has yeah uh oh check out my gravel pit okay in an Eminem way of like, oh, I've ruined the track for you, or just... I don't know. I feel like I now need to look at the rest of it. It seems like maybe actually what it is, is because it's telling you to drop your weapons, drop your egos, come on in kind of a thing. Yeah. So maybe yeah. it's like a really open-minded track, and it's like, you're in that gang. I'm in that gang. But actually, I'm going to take off my clothes, and we're just all... Let's let's just all be one. Yeah. Yeah. Why why would you call it a gravel pit? Is, is there stubble there to represent gravel? I don't... Well, I think don't. it makes more sense as the, the, the bum hole. Yeah. Hmm. I, I, I don't know why you'd have gravel in your front hole. Yeah. Let's move on and talk about the track. We've got through that awkward <laughs> part. Let's move on. Um, I found that it's really enjoyably old school. You know, it's it, it, it harks back to that kind of 90s hip hop. That, that they that they did when they were coming through. Yeah. It takes a sample from Cameo back and forth, which sounds like this. It's also got trumpets from uh, James Brown and it's got film samples of Enter the Dragon and a film called Short Eyes. It's their only 
UK top 40 single. Yeah. So they've not been mass appeal in the UK, but they've, they, they certainly hip-hop heads love Wu-Tang Clan because they are just iconic. But oddly enough, this is one of the worst charting US tracks. Yeah. And actually lots of other stuff performs better. There's another sample in that as well, actually, off a French TV show called Belfigar. So if you listen to this, this is, I think it's Antoine de Haas. Antoine de Haas? I can't pronounce his name. Um, but yeah, the beat sample is iconic as Cameo. So that's again, you know, this is this is educational for people who are all like, oh, hip hop's just like chop ups of other people's songs. Actually, no, there's really smart ways to do these things, and it's going back to what Daft Punk have said: use things, don't not choose them. Yeah, you know, you use don't choose. I've just come up with that. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's great. Get that trademarked. Thank you. I think it's 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 fun in the way that I wish Eminem was in the tracks he's done so far. You know, it's 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 really dense in wordplay. It's really all packed in. It's got a good flow. They, they 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 fit a lot in. I think if I wanted to compare it to anything in the modern day, and I might get scolded for this by people who are really into hip hop and would say that this is some kind of blasphemy, but I think Tyler the Creator and what he does and did around 2013 in the album Wolf of that really fast wordplay. That's what I compared it to. And I went and listened to some Tyler after I heard this and I thought, yeah, I think I'm right. But I think people might totally think that's sacrilege. It's also got a bit of it doesn't matter in there from Wycliffe Sean. He has lyrics about, you know, can't stand people that floss too much. Can't stand Bentleys. They cost too much. Just not about that expensive life. They're just not about that expensive life. And that's a good thing is what you do is you see the integrity with the Wu-Tang Clan after that yeah, whereas yeah, that was absolutely. what was missing from the last one too but this doesn't relate to me again this is one of these songs which I find really difficult in the sense that that's not my life mm, mm. I, um, I, I, I'll listen to it and I remember I was I was sitting thinking how much of this am I going to remember whenever I press play and I do remember loads of it so it really must have like gone in and I must have really engaged with it when I was 16 but it was probably more just for the stories and stuff of it but it doesn't really tick a load of boxes for me and I'm trying to figure out why that is, and I don't really know. That's okay. Um, I'm, I'm probably thinking. I'm thinking it was probably more access to it because I'd never seen that music video. Do you know what? I think I don't like the music video. Okay. I think that's what the problem is. So the music video sees them go back in an elevator time machine to. He says in the video 2000 BC, but it's actually supposed to be 2 million BC. It's got Flintstones vibe. Like it's got a major Flintstones vibe to it. But then all of a sudden, the last minute and a half is no song and a bunch of fighting ninjas. And I don't know if it's symbolic in some way, shape or form, but Ninjas, not for me. Flintstones, not for me. Yeah. And I think maybe that's what killed it for me. And I want a better video. And I think maybe I've got the potential to love, love, love this. I preferred listening to watching personally as well, but I do still like this. Yeah. And as you said, you know, this didn't do well in America. They did perform this at Glastonbury last year as the first song of their set, um, just after they said, Hello, London. Oh, no. Isn't quite right, but we'll we'll let them off. We'll let them off. So that they're iconic. One more thing before I move on is that there's a legendary Wu Tang Clan name generator online. It's how Childish Gambino, Donald Glover, got his name. Wow. He just put his name into it, and it spat back Childish Gambino. Uh, it's been featured loads. Everyone does it. It's a good way to pass the time if you're really bored. Oh, class! I thought I'd put ours in and see what we've got. <laughs> so Scott McGurty. Do you want to know what your Wu Tang Clan name generator is? And would please don't be Liam. Please don't be Liam. Please well, don't be Liam. Let's see. If Not you- Liam. Liam. L A M E. Thanks. I wish I was called Jarvis. By the way, but that's fine. <laughs> Other Wu Tang Clan names include Rizza, uh, Inspector Deck, Ghostface Killer, Method Man, Master Killer, Old Dirty Bastard, and now Smiling Mercenary. <laughs> <laughs> that could make sense, actually. Mm. Mm-hmm. Y- your y- yours is better than mine. Mine is Unlucky Wanderer. <laughs> Oh, that's a bit of a snooze fest, to be fair. I think I'm getting buzzed out with the Wu-Tang's got talent. You don't sound like you're going to do any damage to anybody, do you? Nah. Mine nah. sounds like I'm going to trick you and then take you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The old Chelsea smile with the Stanley knife across the mouth. Oh, God. <laughs> so another week of big, big tracks. I think compared to last week, a lot more diverse, a lot more specialist stuff in here. A lot of dance, a little bit of garage, some really, really exciting electronic music from Daft Punk. Scott, let's go to you first. What are you going to put as your contenders in your little pot? Is it a little pot? Because it Um, could be quite a big pot, potentially. It could be quite a big pot, and I'm just being really strict with myself. I've got to say a big shout to one of my best mates, Simon Campbell, for Darude Feel the Beat, because I love it simply because of the put on the Spill the Beans track chatter. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. 
it's not going in the pot, but it's kind of getting like a pre-pot mention. My pot consists of, and I'll do it in kind of like chart order, a number one from Leanne Rhymes, Can't Fight the Moonlight, a number one from Destiny's Child, Independent Woman, and a number two from Daft Punk, One More Time. Mm. So you're going for the big hitters. You're, you're going strictly for big hitters. Yeah, and that's not... The, the numbers in the charts just are coincidental, really, whenever I think about it. Because, you know, Craig David would love to do something with it. Artful Dodger would love to do something with it. I'm just thinking about the actual what are the biggest and best songs in theory and it's strange because like i think actually if i'm just honest destiny's child independent woman's in there for logic not for heart Mm. so that makes it quite difficult in that respect because i feel like it should be in there because it's such a big massive track and i think it'll be big for so many people but it doesn't give me that wow factor what's the phrase that we've used before the Marie Kondo and I've always got it wrong does it make you sparkle yeah that's not the correct words what is it does it spark joy I think is the correct Ah, response ah. that it's supposed to be so it doesn't spark joy in me Leanne Rhymes sparks a bit of joy and Daft Punk one more time sparks a lot of joy so yeah easily I'm just going to tell you I think Leanne Rhymes is runner up and Daft Punk one more time is my episode winner this week that's really exciting just just for reference I think does it make you sparkle can be our like sort of copyright free version of that we can put on (laughs) t-shirts without having Uh to pay for econ makes me sparkle yeah yes 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 Uh massively and yeah I think it's been a really difficult, but like you said, diverse week. Mm. So Liam, what are you thinking? My pot was going to be enormous. It was going to be literally everything apart (laughs) from Gravel Pit, which I do like. I, I, it's it's quite a nice week that I like everything. Yeah. There's been some weeks where I've, I've I've liked pretty much nothing, but this week's been good. My pot is going to be, I think, the same as yours. Actually, I'm going to go for Leanne Rhymes. I'm going to go for Destiny's Child. I'm going to go for Daft Punk. At Ooh. one point, it did also have Craig David in, who I think is it's better than I expected, better than I remembered. It considering it's not garage, mm-hmm. considering it's slower and not my tempo necessarily. He does a lot of good stuff with it. Artful Dodge is good, but it's not on Spotify, oh. and I want to be able to come okay. back to it. So I'm yeah, a bit like. Mm. It is good, though. I think it must be to do with the original Artful Dodger thing. Let's not go there. But yeah, my pot is the same as yours, and I'm going to pick the same winner as well. No. I am, yeah. I am. I am. It's just, how could I not? That's all I need to say. How could I not? How could I not? I do love Leanne Rhymes, though, as well. And I think the same as you, Destiny's Child's in there for logic. I don't know how much I'll listen to it outside of doing this. Yeah. It will uh-huh. go on the playlist that I'm making at the moment, but I maybe won't necessarily play it every time. I get that. And I think, you know, actually, when you say about your pot being quite wide, what we haven't really emphasised is most weeks what we've got is we've got some number ones and we've got like some seven, eights and nines. This week didn't have anything more than a six Wu-Tang Clan were a number six. Everything else was a five, four, three, two, one. Mm. So it was a really difficult pot this week because they were all really big chart performers we don't tend to look very much really at the numbers no as such unless we're like it was number one for this amount of time or this was a major comeback and this person shouldn't have got to number one and did you know we're not completely ruled by that but Mm -mm. two daft punks that's two weeks in a row now we've uh, matched yeah it doesn't happen Mm. much but i think this one is very worthy of it the question is though can daft punk knock Kylie Minogue spinning around off for you. This would be oh. 10 weeks. 10 weeks. But will it be? Let's find out. I'll hit you with a drone. I feel like this is the biggest competition Kylie's ever had because this <gasps> totally has the ability wow. to just knock her off because it's so significant. What we're doing is, for me, they're very, 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 very close to the point where they both make me sparkle. And the only thing that I can do is look for the negatives as opposed to looking for the positives. Mm. Kylie didn't really have any negatives at the time. And Daft Punk was controversial at the time because some people loved it. Some people hated it. And that sets them back, which means Kylie Minogue spinning around is staying in the top spot. And I can't believe I've just knocked Daft Punk back. Not good. Does the fact it's controversial not make you sort of endear to it more because you'd be part of that club that does? That's not... That's never been my my approach to life, really. No, and... No, um, no, no. Yeah. No, and that's, that, that's... It's no way to live your life, but I think in terms... I think maybe Daft Punk needs a little edge. Maybe it just needs a little bit of a... A reprieve to all yeah, the people who... I, like, 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 like we said when we, when, we, when we spoke about it, I think... People who didn't like it back then probably do like it now. Yeah. I think there has been a change in tide in it just over time. Yeah, and there was something really groundbreaking about that. But the gap between what they'd done last, you know, around the world to that wasn't as big of a gap 
as what we'd seen from Kylie. So Kylie's is still really significant. Maybe the more I the more the more I go into Kylie chatter, the more I realize this is going to be bloody hard mm-hmm. to shift, and I can't I can't foresee anything coming apart from can't get you out of my head by Kylie Minogue that could be a risk. I haven't I haven't looked that far ahead, so it could be interesting mm. but yeah gosh bloody hell wow, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's incredible here you said how close it was I think it was very close I, 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 I didn't expect this one to be the one that came as close as it did neither did but I if this, one, <laughs> if, if this one came close and missed uh-huh. will anything knock it off I'm now more convinced than ever that you'll pick this as your winner for the entire series because you, you had so hyped Leanne Rhymes common mm. uh, mm-hmm. for weeks and weeks and weeks you kept mentioning it and I kind of thought you were going to go down a Leanne Rhymes thing I thought I was going to be a victim of your marketing for Leanne Rhymes and <laughs> I thought that sometimes whenever I bring you dance tracks, I end up going, that's not a big enough crossover pop track, but actually Daft Punk broke the mold and did stuff. You know what? I think we're going to, we could sit here for 40 minutes and talk about this in a separate podcast itself, but we're probably going to have to have to get to you. So you now would be hitting for Delirium Silence. If that stays on as your series winner, that's going to be four weeks this week. Mm -hmm. So Delirium Silence versus Daft Punk one more time. Let's hit you with a drum. I'm in two minds because I've not picked a winner more than four times. Craig David had four weeks and then silence came along and I don't want to have the reputation of somebody who flip-flops and just moves along when the next big trend comes along. I want to be like you. I want to be certain in my life, which I just totally never am. But maybe this is a chance to turn things around. But if we're talking about the actual tunes, Delirium, Silence, Daft Punk, and I said in the episode that I think they're both just as effective at what they do as each other, which pretty much puts them neck and neck. Delirium gave me tingles, but Daft Punk just brings out a level of euphoria and joy. It's just so different to silence, but I think... And I could take a long time on this, but I'm not. I'm just going (laughs) to say it, and then I'll do what I always do and just spend the week thinking about it. I'm changing to Daft Punk. (gasps) Oh! I'm changing to Daft Punk. I'm changing to Daft Punk. Yes, I am. Yeah, I think I am. I think... With Daft Punk, you might have just found your Kylie Minogue spinning around. I think maybe, you know. Mm-hmm. I think maybe. I think Delirium's always been in my mind about, is it specialist? Is it too specialist? Is it really pop? You're, 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 we're kind of across wires about how we pick these yeah. songs, so... That's why it's helpful that there's two of us doing it, really. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, th- I, I think I think by the end of this series, we'll both have picked different things for very different reasons, and uh-huh. I quite like that, because we're different people. It'll be weird if we both just, at the end, we're like, we're both going to choose Kylie or something like yeah. that. Yeah. I'm really glad you've actually chosen that, because, again, sometimes I feel like it's the you know, the, the saving grace, really, whenever I haven't chosen something and actually you've put it on a bigger pedestal than I ever could have done, really. Mm. So that's pretty sweet, that. Yeah. Wow, 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 wow. Another new week for Liam. Shocking. I know, I know. Please let this one last a bit longer. Please, please. That's what she said. Oh, no. Uh, well, next week, we'll be getting into the final month of the year. We'll be doing the first half of December. <gasps> so we've got S Club 7. We've got Madonna. We've got Britney. So three big names off the bat there. Yes. Plus, we've also got Sonique. Again, another big name. Mm-hmm. Uh, also... Something very, very, very familiar from Warp Brothers, <laughs> Naquagen. I almost got a fright when I heard it. Wyclef, Sean and Mary J. Oblige turn up and we've got one track that didn't quite make it in this month from Ronan Keaton. Scott, I'm going to go for a lie down and a cry to Delirium for one last time before oh. I unapologetically dance my tits off to Daft Punk. That actually makes me feel really sad, you know, whenever you're... It's, it's, like, you're, it's like you're holding a funeral for Delirium. <laughs> Mm. Yeah. Well, look, I, I'll always treasure the memories, mm-hmm. but it's time to move on. It's time to move on to the funk that is Daft Punk. Uh, hopefully you will too. Check out our playlist and play along. Get thinking about what your favourite track of the year has been. We'll be putting a survey out soon and you can cast your vote and tell us why we're wrong, Ooh. basically. Mm-hmm. We'll look forward to that, but take care of yourself. Have a good week and we'll see you back here next Friday for December. December.